Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukhpavia. Hello folks and welcome to episode 45 of The Three Good Podcast. This is the bank holiday, first bank holiday weekend of May and uh, it's been some good weather overall. I hope you're enjoying it wherever you are. It is good to know that things are continuing on the path in the UK for a good exit. It feels like things are much more in control compared to where we were last year when we were given lots of confusing messages about what an exit might look like. And I was so excited yesterday folks i got to go and do a proper thing with other people and it was incredible good incredibly good fun got to go and uh, watch the semi-final match of the world championship snooker at the crucible theater in sheffield i went with my bestie and uh, we had tickets and it was great fun very well organized for covid safety it's one of the first events that the government is also using as a test to be able to see how safe is it to hold events of that nature again and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome of that is from my perspective it was a very well organized covid safe environment um, we had to do our lateral flow tests before we end, uh, the day before or on the day that they, we were meant to go there. We um, obviously had to wear masks on the way in. There was, um, it was not at full capacity, so that was quite interesting. Um, and there were quite a few seats still available. So even though it was a, a big point in the match, um, being a semi-final match, it was probably about 60%, maybe 70% fully occupied. I don't think it was as high as 70 actually, probably about 60-ish. So good, a good number of people in there for sure. It was great. It was just so nice to be just in and amongst people, being there for like the, the thing. I've missed that so much. So I, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before. My, my energy comes from being around other people. You know, I genuinely thrive on that. Um, I am an extrovert in that true sense where my energy comes from other people and I have I loved yesterday for that you know all of it from uh, being able to see my bestie we had a great road trip going up to Sheffield uh, from down south and um, you know then going to the Starbucks ordering something there getting a coffee afterwards and then just being in this place for a few hours with these other people, it was, it was good stuff. And the good, and the you know, the, the snooker was good quality play as well. So we quite enjoyed that aspect of it. As a, as a first step thing towards hopefully things returning back to normal for us, very pleased we got to do that. Really privileged to acknowledge that we had the safety within which to be able to do that, and very pleased to know that there was good consideration in place about how how to manage that in a really good way it did raise some interesting questions about why we don't ensure a similar level of um i guess health consideration on coming into a place like that when when it's non-covid times right but anyway that's uh stuff to um uh, consider in that not everything is a public health concern so um anyway so um yeah you know i'm glad i got to do that and uh, having a look on things like social media you can see that other people are really enjoying having had the opportunity to be able to be outdoors seeing people in the uk of course you know being able to book outdoor restaurants and pub gardens and what have you and uh, lots of people just really enjoying seeing friends and family and being able to do that in a in a good safe way as well so you know all the folks out there everyone who's in this situation in time if you're able to take part in these things they're open you know be sensible be reasonable about what it is that you're trying to do 
They look like they're good stuff, folks. It looks like we're on a good path here. Uh, and, um, you know, I acknowledge as well, you know, that in the UK, we, we've got to a place where this feels like it's, it's working for us. And we've got the, the news of what's currently, you know, the crisis that's happening in India, where we have the contagion just ripping through the country and it is devastating the country. That is awful to see. It's very hard to bear. There are emergency appeals that if you if you want to be able to contribute to, you can make contributions via the likes of the dec.org.uk website, which is the Disasters Emergency Committee website, where they are raising, uh, accepting donations specifically to help the uh, situation in India. So if you did want to um, try and offer some support and help, that's a, that's a good place to be able to do that. Uh, through social media, there are other people sharing other ways that you can do that as well. And, uh, you know, um, if, if you are in India and you're listening to this, I hope that you are able to stay safe, that you're able to work from home. If that's a choice that you can do, um, you know, please do wear your masks if you're going out. Uh, keep your social distance, sanitize where possible, wash your hands, obviously. Like all of these things, they genuinely make a difference. Um, and I, I feel that there's a responsibility to also say, you know, be very careful about a lot of the misinformation and disinformation that is out there. There is a lot of it. Um, YouTube and TikTok and uh, WhatsApp is rife at the moment. It has been for the last year and a bit with people being very activist in putting out information which is actively against all of the public health messaging. Be very careful about paying attention to all of that. It does not serve any good. So please just be, um, just try and follow the official public health guidance. Across the globe, it is, everyone's been fairly consistent about what that looks like and how to do it. Obviously restrictions are different in the different countries. But if you are um, in that part of the world, or if you have family and friends who are there, then you know, I do hope everyone remains as well and as safe as they can. It is a it is a, a horrible virus to to have, and it, it does disrupt incredibly. So, okay, um, on to today's episode. We're going to be talking about lessons in resilience. So. I've recently completed a Coursera MOOC. So for those of you who are not familiar with um, either of those two words, so uh, Coursera is a um, an online education platform and MOOC it stands for um, um, Massive Open Online Course. And uh, what that what those two things both mean is that you can um, you can complete a module you can complete a course online which is completely digital and um, all resources all educational material everything is delivered through the portal in this case it's Coursera as a platform and uh, you know from a platform perspective um, it was really really nicely put together the user experience is very good on Coursera first one I've ever done so um, yeah as a um, MOOC novice it was good to be able to experience how that works and um, how it's put together in terms of uh, the structure of the content, the variety of content that we had available to us. So it's good to be able to have videos. There was transcript of the videos. There was recommended course reading. There's a discussion forum with other students where you can engage in um, activities that are directed by the instructor. There's some job, um, not job aids, there's some uh, downloadable resources, so templates and stuff for you to be able to complete reflections and um, guidance on how to do certain types of uh, thinking and what have you. So, um, you know, if you, if you are interested in wanting to take on a, a certain course, there's, you know, platforms like Coursera have a lot of different topics, so we, um, I chose to do one with uh, with two friends and we, we, we chose the one on resilience. There's lots on there about a range of topics. Check it out. It's a good way to just 
do this ongoing learning that we we often talk about and people say you know during periods such as what we're going through right now it is a good opportunity to be able to look after your kind of own learning and what you're doing in your professional development personal development space platforms like Coursera offer a good way to be able to do that I don't have an interest in Coursera by the way folks just saying it's a good option there are other platforms that you can you know, do these things with as well so the course itself was uh, put together by Dr. Karen Rivich, and she's the co-director of the Penn Resiliency Project at the Positive Psychology Center and a research associate in the Department of Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. She's also an instructor in the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology program, where she teaches positive psychology and interpersonal relationships. She's a leader in the fields of depression prevention, optimism, resilience, and positive psychology interventions. So she's got really good kind of um, academic credibility to be able to put this together. And she's a very good instructor um, throughout the program. Very open about her own learning as she went through um, understanding what it means to be resilient and how to uh, how it shows up in different ways what are some of the challenges around that and where can you take that and do some deeper and better learning so that you can become more resilient and that that can come through um, she has a good i really liked her explanations of different topics and how she encouraged us to think about those as well So I like the definition that they choose to go with here where of resilience, where they talk about how resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity and it's the ability to grow from challenges. I think that's really nice because it, it helps us to understand that there's two different parts to like ordinarily we think about resilience as um, helping us when things are tough. Uh, which is true, right? It, it certainly is. You know, when things are hard and things are tough, how do we deal with that in order to be able to just continue and do things as we would want to be able to do them without becoming overwhelmed by the situation? But the second part, the ability to grow from challenges as well, really invites us to think about, well, sometimes it's not just about being able to deal with what's happening. It's also about being able to learn and grow from that situation. So, um, so that we become, um, I'm, I'm not sure what the word, right words are. I want to say so that we become better individual, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right word. But certainly it invites us to be able to see events as learning opportunities, you know, as, uh, provided that they are that kind of um, thing that is in front of us. I don't think, uh, you know, if, if you've been through something traumatic, it is necessarily helpful or um, healthy to think of those as learning opportunities because they are traumatic in some way. So I think I often think with topics like resilience, it's about the everyday stuff that is happening to us. Um, and sometimes things can be difficult, sometimes things can be challenging, sometimes things can be really um, joyful. Um, but in most cases, it's gonna be stuff which is, um, it will cause some level of emotional or mental efforts but it, it's not going to be so disruptive or distressing that it's going to cause you to become overwhelmed by that situation right so i think that's a nice way to be able to to lead into this and then another piece that is i think important in the context of resilience is helping to set out the variables that um, allow resilience to take place. And this is interesting because um, I think these variables start to invite us also to think about, you know, resilience isn't just about being able to do a certain kind of activity. There have to be other things at play as well. So for example, one of those things is how self-aware are we as an individual? And that's really interesting because, you know, self-awareness, as we've discussed on a previous episode on the podcast, is about what's going on internally. You know, it's about trying to understand 
how am I being affected by something and what does that tell me? You know, what information or data does that allow me to understand? And for resilience to take place or for us to feel or be resilient, you know, to be able to bounce back or to learn and grow from a situation, we have to have a certain level of understanding, well, how am I actually being affected by the thing? Where is, how is that affecting my resilience specifically? And therefore, what are the options I have available to me to be able to um, strengthen that resilience and not be so affected by what I'm facing? And related to that is, you know, having some clear thought around how are my emotions in this situation? So as well as understanding what am I experiencing, because it might be a physical reaction, it might be uh, a, a thinking pattern that you might be falling into, is the emotional side, right? You know, am I frustrated? Am I angry? Am I surprised? Um, because that also gives us some valuable information to work with. So self-awareness is one part. Another part is our actual biology as well, right? So how is it that we are physically being affected by different situations? Um, you know, and is my body in a place to be resilient as well? Because we do know from other research, so not necessarily what Karen Rivich discusses in her Coursera course, but we do know from other research that being physically active has a positive impact on how resilient we are. Because if our bodies are feeling capable of handling most day-to-day -day situations, that provides a, a mental blanket of safety and security that I can also deal with other adversities as they might come along. So then a third set of, um, of variables is around self-regulation. And this is where you're able to understand and adapt and change your thinking as it's coming at you. Yeah? So sometimes we might be in a situation where maybe you've just had an argument with a partner or um, you've just had a, a bit of really hard, uh, critical feedback on a report that you've been writing at work. And um, it raises, either of those situations raises emotions for you. And you have to find a way to self-regulate that so that you're not becoming overwhelmed by that emotion and that you're able to understand maybe there's a different outcome that you can strive for and try and reach for. I like this next set of variables that um, Dr. Ravich talks about. She talks about how um, we need to have mental agility as a set of variables as well. What does she mean by this? <clears throat> she means being able to look at things from multiple perspectives. So even though you might have a belief or a pattern of thinking about something, that you're able to be able to um, hear other people's points of view, you know, read other pieces of writing or research um, or conflicting information and be able to understand what that is without becoming defensive about it. So being able to explore those topics in a way that helps you to broaden your um, understanding of the, the thing it is that you're, that you're looking at and reading about. That's interesting for me because um, I think mental agility is something which we haven't really learned how to do through through much education. Um, you know, in many cases, we, we're just taught this is this is the one thing that matters. And certainly, I, I think in a lot of current news um, and social justice type um, topics that are really being brought to the fore our ability to be mentally agile is being really tested because we have some very, very stark points of view which are being uh, raised. And you've got people out uh, at extremes on both ends who are trying to defend their own positions and not really paying attention to what else is being said. I think this is a very interesting one. And then... Um, the last one, which uh, which I, I speak about regularly on this podcast as well, is about optimism. You know, is how 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 much of a belief do I have that the future is going to be a positive one? It's going to be a good future, right? Um, and that's it's an important variable around this as well, because when we think about that, it helps us to understand that there are um, 
if I can have a, a positive outlook, I it allows for something to hold on to. And I'm not going to feel that this situation that I'm in right now, which might be hard and difficult, is going to be permanent, that there is going to be resolution from it. There is going to be... Um, uh, some, some, there is something going to happen where I'm going to be able to feel better after this is passed. So, um, you know, one of the things I, I think that um, a lot of these variables really start to raise is that sometimes there are things that are just outside of your control. You know, you can't always, we can't always control for the situation we're in. And uh, a lot of these variables are, are there to be able to present themselves as if you can regulate, manage, or hold certain types of thinking, it's more likely to improve how resilient you are. And if you aren't able to do those things, they can negatively affect what your resilience is like. So one of the tasks that we were asked to do in the program was to uh, complete a self-assessment on um, on the Penn University uh, website, which you can go ahead and do, and I'll put in the show notes as well. Um, and it's around our strengths, and um, because one of the topics that she talks about quite regularly in this is what are our strengths and how do we think about our strengths, um, which I'll, I'll come back to as in a bit later. But it's an act, easy activity; it's openly accessible. You don't have um, you have to register onto the website, but it's not related to any course or anything it's just um, an open course that is cons regularly available and it's quite comprehensive um, it takes a, a fair while it, it takes about 20 minutes to complete so if you do choose to go ahead and do it you know just be mindful it does take a bit of time so where it where the course starts to go next is to really talk about um, optimism and she shares uh, dr Ivich shares some really interesting information here about the research done into optimism and how we can understand it through the lens of uh, research. So one of those is in um, thinking that the, the world is generally good, people are basically good, and you have that kind of forward-thinking belief. You know, it's just that expectation that good things are going to happen. So there's a particular, that that is a particular type of optimism called dispositional optimism. And there's a um, way to be able to study that called the Life Orientation Test Revised, um, also known as a LOT R, and um, and it's a, it's an interesting way to think about optimism because it's about you know um, like it, like it says in the title dispositional optimism, it's your disposition. What is your kind of natural belief about what's going to happen? But what's interesting here for me is that just because this may, just because you might have an orientation towards optimism, it doesn't mean that you can't learn to also think optimistically. You know, um, there are people who we know in our lives who will approach things from a um, pessimistic perspective where they feel that generally things are not going to work in their favor. And, um, Part of that is about how we think about certain situations, you know, as well as what we believe about those situations. So if I think that optimism is, an op, uh, is, a, is a valid option, then I can cultivate optimism. Whereas if I um, believe it as well, then I, I'm probably going to give that some better energy, you know. So the dispositional element is the belief and the thinking capability is something that you can either control or you, you choose not to. So that's one way of thinking about optimism. The second way of thinking about it is through what's called an explanatory style of optimism, where if something good or bad happens to you, you look for a reason as to why that happened. And it can either be about you know what you internally accept or think is an external factor and what you think might be what they call a stable versus unstable kind of dimension as well this takes a bit of explaining so just bear with me as i as i kind of work through it so if something bad happens to you 
one way of being able to explain that is to be a is by say um, asking questions around do you believe that the cause of the problem is you that you're, you're the root cause or do you believe that it's due to external factors that led to the bad outcomes right so the ex that's the internal versus the external the other dimension that they talk about is the stable versus unstable so if something is stable it means then that things are unchangeable and they're permanent and that you can't do anything to change that situation or you could think of things as unstable where things are fleeting temporary and you have some control over them and uh, and then there is a third dimension as well which is around the global versus the specific way of explaining what's happened so if something bad happens um, and it's global do you tend to think of it that it's going to affect everything yeah so this bad thing has happened it's now going to impact negatively on everything else right so it's global or do you explain the causes of your setbacks as very specific this bad thing happened but it was specifically because of this cause and so it's not going to affect anything else and around each of those um, I think you can, um, you know, with some more thinking, it's possible then to be able to understand where does your disposition sit around each of those elements and what does that mean for how you think optimistically, you know. So optimis optimism, optimistic people tend to think of things as um, external. They don't tend to think of things as being their fault. They tend to think of things as being unstable so it's not going to um it's a um that things are changeable that they're fleeting and temporary and they won't be permanent and that things tend to be specific so just because something bad has happened here it is specifically because of a cause and it's not because of um, something bigger or broader so that's just, a, um, I, I think, a very helpful introduction into thinking about optimism. Its relationship to resilience, then, is each of those dimensions, internal versus external, stable versus unstable, global versus specific, um, is related to how resilient we think we can be as well, right? So if we tend to think of things as um, being stable that means they're going to be ever present it's going to probably impact how resilient we think we can be in that situation yeah in the negative sense i don't think i'm going to be very resilient because this is going to permeate through everything and so there has to be a fundamental change if something is going to be better or if it's global versus specific if it's global you know, there, there is something happening and it's affecting everything and because it's affecting everything um, i have to um, uh, it is going to be hard for me to be resilient because um, it is going to affect me, overwhelm me in too many ways, right? If it's internal versus external, um, you know, if I believe if I believe I am the thing that's causing the problem, then that calls into question many things about our own self-belief, self-esteem, all that kind of stuff. So an interesting place to start from. When it comes to thinking about cognitive approaches to resilience, I think what we um, were then introduced to was some really interesting ways to understand if I'm being particularly affected by something, and uh, Karen Rivich calls these thinking traps, you know, if I fall into a thinking trap which leads me to think negatively about a situation, how can I catch that thinking and do some reframing about it so that it doesn't continue to um, to stop me from feeling either resilient or being able to take action so there's five thinking traps that she describes in the program one is called mind reading so this is where we assume what other people are thinking and or saying about us yeah that um if you received a bad report, you're assuming 
that it's uh, it must be because they think badly of me it must be they they must be thinking that i can't now do this work anymore uh you know it's where you're projecting onto other people um what you think they are thinking about you it's quite a meta level thing um and it's it it's uh, it's unhelpful because what it does is it stops you from being able to engage into a conversation with the other person, right? It's because what it is, is um, it's specifically um, a, a trap of uh, making assumptions and judgments about what someone else is thinking about you. So that's the mind reading thinking trap. Uh, the second one is called the me thinking trap, where I accept too much responsibility for, for the situation I'm facing. And this is an interesting one because um, yeah, I think people face this in different ways, right? It's, it's about um, that sense of shame or guilt that I have or personal responsibility for this must have happened because I did something to affect that situation and my actions were poor, they were ill thought through, they were careless, they were inconsiderate and because of that because of the way i did that it's had a negative impact on this situation right so that can be uh, um, a difficult one because um it it really brings us into um, some deep level of self introspection and i am going to come on to what are some of the tools that we can we can look into to figure out how to get out of these thinking traps but um, I think for the for the moment it's just important to be able to just explore what the thinking traps are in general so the third thinking trap is them where we fall into a pattern of thinking and remember all of these are patterns of thinking where you have a, a in, in the them thinking trap it's placing blame on solely on the other person or party as the cause of the problem. You know, this only happened because they have it have it um, in for me, right? Um, that they are incompetent in what they're doing. They don't know how to handle this type of situation. They shouldn't have got into trying to be part of this. Like all of that is a demonstration of them thinking where you are being highly critical of the capability and or capacity. It's very big judgments on another person or party and how they are impacting on you the fourth one is around catastrophizing and in this one it's where we spiral into um a, a taking a situation and it becoming bigger and worse in our um, in how we think about it yeah so it could be that you've started off with an argument with your partner and you rapidly are taken to how um, it might affect your relationship that you think that there is less trust with your partner that maybe they don't like you anymore and that ultimately your marriage is now in trouble that is catastrophizing right it could also be like if it's a work situation you've received critical feedback on a report that you've written and you think it's going to reflect badly on your career opportunities and that you're going to ultimately lose a job because of this bad feedback that you've received or this critical feedback that you've received so that's that's that kind of spiraling where it's rapidly taken to this is um, something hard or difficult that's happened and you are moving yourself into a place of this is how bad it's going to get the last one um, that Karen Ravich talks about is helplessness and here is is essentially what it says in the word right it's about feeling i have no control over what is about to happen it is a bad situation and all i can do is just let it just happen i have there is nothing i can do to influence this to make it a better situation um and and so yeah that that sense of helplessness it becomes a real trap because then you become resigned to whatever is going to happen without being able to control for it now what has been what was helpful through the course was that karen rivich then took us through an activity to 
practice some real-time resilience, as she called it, where um, she gave us some techniques to be able to put into place when you recognize you're in a thinking trap. And there's three things that she asks us to consider if you fall into any of those thinking traps. So first is, you know, what evidence is there to support that line of thinking? You know, so it doesn't matter which one of those is, you know, let's say you fall into a me thinking trap, that is all my fault, is what is the evidence that points to it being specifically your fault and that um, there was no one else, either no one else involved or there were not other variables or other factors that are important to that have um, led to that kind of difficult situation you're in. So one is looking at that kind of, that evidence, right? So um, she has a, a sentence starter here, like that's not true because, and that's helpful because it leads us into um, thinking differently about that situation. The second practice that she invites us into is what she calls reframing, which is where you are able to take a um, um, that situation you're facing and um, think about right is this could I think about this situation itself differently so I may have just had an argument with my partner and at the moment what we need is to be able to discuss this um, in a different way but we just need some um, emotional space and time from being able to do that and it's not going to affect us in our marriage deeply it's just something that we've hit and we just need to discuss properly to be able to get through, right? So that can be you know, the catastrophizing example of, like, instead of thinking this is gonna deeply affect how my marriage is gonna now play out, it's an acceptance that this is temporary, it's not global and it's not gonna affect everything. It's, it's not a stable thing, it's gonna be something which is fl uh, fluid and I can work with. And then the third strategy is, planning how you're going to come out of this right so or how you're going to go into a situation so for example you might think that um you are helpless about a situation and you can say well okay if i think it, if if i'm in this situation i could potentially try this as a as a way through so i'm not helpless i have an option for an action and this is what that option might be and that might lead to also a secondary option as well. So in this planning, in this way of being able to plan for something, you're not allowing yourself to get caught in the um, uh, in the thinking trap and you're planning for how you can escape out of it if it does come through. So some really important stuff, I think, so far that we we're really talking about. You know, one is how do we build that optimism Optimism can get derailed by falling into thinking traps. The thinking traps are um, you know, something that we will all experience in different ways. And there's good reflection to have there. And then the real-time resilient stuff, I think, is very interesting because that helps us to... Um, it gives us the, the immediate tools to be able to, to work through stuff that we're facing. So... Um, we then move on in the program to talking about how do you build uh, positive emotion. And one of the tools that she gives us to help us build um, capability around resilience is how do we challenge catastrophic thinking as an example. And you know, so um, she chooses on this because you know one of the things that we can that can happen to us um, is we can become quite anxious about different situations that we're facing, and anxiety can lead to catastrophic thinking so if you do catch yourself in that situation or if you work with people who do tend to find themselves in a trap of catastrophic thinking you know, catastrophizing is being able to ask three questions um, which is a, a real nice way to be able to help with this so one is the first question is well let's really explore what's the worst case of what we're talking about right now yeah, so you've just described that there's a situation, it's hard, it's difficult, it's leading to some you know, um, catastrophic spiraling downwards thinking. Let's work through what the worst case scenario is that comes out of this. Having done that, what you're then asking them to do is to think about, well, if that's the worst case scenario, what's the best case scenario that could come out of this? 
So let's say that things resolve in the best way possible, that things are given the attention and consideration they deserve. How, what could a good result, what could a good result look like out of this? And now, now that we've given the person time to consider the two or for yourself to consider those two is to arrive at a third place, which is, so having discussed what a, the worst case might be and what the best case could be, what's the most likely thing? What's the most probable thing that's going to happen? And what, that do, what this does is it really invites the person to be able to bring balance to their thinking. So they're not being too negative about a situation. They're not being overly optimistic, but they're arriving at something where they can take action and do something about the situation that they're facing. Right? And what I really like about this is that it's, it's action orientated. And for me, being action orientated really helps individuals be in control of what they're facing and yeah, how to um, how to acknowledge the situation without becoming over either overwhelmed by it or feeling that you can um, is only going to be a good outcome um, and having an unexpected thing come back at you. So I like that. The other um, piece that they really invite us to think about is um, understanding how we are in a present moment. So taking the practice of mindfulness and um, allowing that to be an exploratory thing that we work through. I really like this. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of mindfulness. It's a great way to be able to understand my my feelings in thinking and thinking in a any given situation. And it's about having that moment of um, immediate understanding of where am I right now, and using that as information and data to be able to advance me and where I want to be able to go next. Yeah, if I recognize that I'm in a situation where I am not feeling great, then it, it gives me immediate options to be able to think about, okay, is that because I'm facing something where I, um, I am being affected in a certain way? And if I am, then what, what is it I need to do about that? Do I need to allow myself to um, just experience this, this heavy emotion because the emotion, because the, the situation is a heavy situation? Or is there an option to be able to think and do something differently? You know, so it might be that you've just had a, um, a, a difficult confrontational conversation with a work colleague. It might sit heavy um, and at the same time, you might think, I, I just need a break from what the situation is I'm in. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go and give myself in a completely different mental space, physical space, go and do something completely different. And that might be able to help me um, get to a, a different solution as to what I've just had with my work colleague. All right. So th this kind of approach to mindfulness is, is I, I think, really important to be able to help us when we're experiencing different situations. Um, and then, you know, where, where she does eventually uh, start to bring us towards is, yeah, how do we really cultivate positive emotions? Uh, what are the many different ways that we can do that? And, you know, um, there are things that we talk about on this podcast many times over, you know, gratitude being one of those. How do we practice gratitude? Who will be expressing that gratitude to? Um, you know, how are we sharing that? Is it through a, a, a visit? Is it through a gift? Is it through some kind of um, celebration of something? Right, some really nice ways to be able to build that positive emotion. There's also stuff about the reflection. You know, how well do we think about what's happened on our day? You know, what are the good things that happen to us? Three good things is obviously something I talk about regularly. Um, and, you know, it's the effect that these positive emotions have on our bodies um, and uh, our emotions that uh, I just love that the, the, we had the opportunity to be able to think through those things. Then the last piece, which was really um, fascinating as, as a topic overall, was um, how do we strengthen relationships? And I loved this one because this is where I see that um, this is where I see that uh, positive psychology can really have a powerful set of impacts is helping us think so much more um, 
better about what does it mean to have a strong relationship and uh, so one of the so the way that Karen Rivich really talks about this is in um, is when our partners receive good news how do we respond to that good news and this is a really strong indicator of what kind of relationship what what, um, you know, what kind of relationship we have and what we're paying attention to. So what she says is that it's obviously important that if someone, if your partner is facing a difficult or challenging situation, that you're able to support them, that you're able to be there for them and that you're able to help them through that difficult and um, challenging event so that they know that they are not alone when they're experiencing that thing. So that, that's all, that's all, that's kind of a given, right? That is, um, already an important part of being in a, in a healthy and good relationship. The other part then is if your partner receives good news, how do you respond to that so that they know that you're experiencing joy with them? And there's four interesting ways to be able to respond to somebody's good news. And only one of these has a tangible benefit on um, on the on on the relationship and how strong the relationship is likely to be. So, if your partner says uh, has some good news to say to you, um, the the most destructive way of being a, of responding to that is by um, giving a response called the active destructive response, which is where you focus on how it's going to negatively impact on you and or others. So, for example, your partner says, um, I've got really good news. I'm, um, I've performed really well in my uh, performance review and it looks like I'm going to get a promotion. And your response is something along the lines of, that just means that you're going to be working harder. It means I'm going to have to take more responsibility in looking after the family and um, even though you're going to be earning uh, a better salary, we're just not going to have much time together to be able to um, actually enjoy your uh, success. And what that does is it really dampens the um, the joy that your partner is trying to share with you. you know, I've shared previously that I my belief is that when we share joy with our partner, it's a moment of vulnerability where we're letting them know what's important to us. And that is something to celebrate. And if they can't engage in that with us, then that shows a sign of something being wrong, which needs to be worked on. So that's the active destructive response. A, a second response is the passive destructive response, where you, um, where your partner says similar thing. Hey, I've got some great news, and I, I think uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to be. Um, I've had a great performance review. Going to be in line for a promotion and your response is it's where you, um, you you respond to the other person and you completely deflect with something else so it could be something like you respond with uh, that's great news what are we going to do for dinner right completely in derailing the conversation into something else or uh, oh, that's that's great to hear um, hey, did you hear about the news on the news about the accident that happened in town today? Where what you're doing is you are completely just stopping any further conversation to happen about that person's good news. Right? So that's just not a, again. It's just you, you can already tell that's just not a great response in any way whatsoever. The third one then is called passive constructive, where you, you let the other person know you're happy about the good news and then there is just nothing else that is really said about it. So your partner says, great news, performed really well, going to get promotion. And your response is something along the lines of, ah, um, oh, that's really great news. You're going to be able to earn more money. And then you just don't engage in anything further about it. You don't ask any further questions. You don't ask about how they're feeling about it. Um, or anything like that is just a um, a very cursory level response, which is um, all, all it's designed to do is to you know you you acknowledge what that there is good news, but you do nothing else with it. 
So those three types of responses to good news are ways to not strengthen a relationship, right? They actively work to um, harm a relationship. So if any of those are responses that you recognize that either you do or that your partner does to you, uh, there's an invitation here to be able to really think through, well, how do I stop myself from falling into those types of responses? So the, the fourth response to good news, which strengthens relationships, which is proven to be a strength, uh, a relationship strengthening um, way of communicating, it's called the active constructive. And what you're doing here is you're building on that person's joy. You're building on their moment to celebrate with them. Yeah. So your partner says to you, great news, perform really well, going to get a promotion. And you actively engage in the conversation. Oh, that's really great news. When did you hear about that was going to potentially be the case? How's that making you feel? It must be making you feel really good. Hey, why don't we go and celebrate? This is something to really be proud of. It's taking that moment and being able to strengthen it further by really engaging with the person, what they're saying to you and experiencing the joy with them. If we think back to the vulnerability piece I said a bit earlier, what I think, what I believe it does is, I believe it um, it allows the other person to know that sharing that kind of good news is a, um, is a way to be able to strengthen the relationship because you, they know they're gonna get a good response from you. Whereas any of the other responses indicates to the person that they cannot be vulnerable with you because you're not responding to them in a way that helps them to know that you want to experience that joy or that celebration with them. So some really, um, I, I think, some good stuff there. So folks, I mean, I think this is kind of where I'm going to take it as far as um, today's podcast recording goes. There's... There's a lot of stuff in I've covered in this episode. It's it's quite a high-level overview of the course that I went through. Part of what I thought I think was really helpful for me in uh, in completing the course was the study group that I was with. I did it with two friends, and we gave ourselves the time to be able to really engage in conversation about the co- about the content and doing that in a way that allowed us to um, explore our own thinking how what we recognize in ourselves as patterns of thinking behaviors what the thinking traps meant to us um, how we might experience real-time resilience and what we need to do the strengthening of relationships all of these things came through for us and we really had some great discussion about those things I hope this has been um, a a good way to be able to share these lessons on resilience with you all. Please do let me know on the podcast, um, you know, through the different podcast apps that you're going to be listening to it on. Uh, Like, share so other people can access it. And otherwise, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you, folks. Be well.